Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Let's pray. It's always a good time to pray. Father, we're here this morning, and we're yours. And Lord, our world needs you. Our world needs you. I love that last song. You make us come alive. You make us come alive like I'm living for the first time. Your light is breaking through the dark. Something about hope is dawning. I was trying to write it down. But, oh, God, we need you. We need you. Our world needs you. And we've all got a different world. My world is made up of the people that I touch. It changes every day. Your world is made up of the people you're around. That's your world. It's your world. And, Lord, you're wanting to shine into our world through us with your life. Our world desperately needs you. Our world desperately needs your power to save, your power to deliver, your power to lift, your power to bring glory into broken, hopeless, ruined, torn, twisted, mangled, hurting, screaming with pain lives. Oh God, we need you. And we ask you to position us to change me, change us from glory to glory into your image so that as we go out into our world, you can touch our world through us and bring hope, bring life, bring hope, life, peace, shalom, wholeness where there's just brokenness, gloom, darkness, and devastation. You're an awesome God, an awesome, 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 awesome God, an awesome God. Show me how to go this morning. Show me what to say, where to go, what to do. And Lord, help us to hear you, to hear you, to hear your word this morning. We need you challenging us. We need you lifting us. We need you filling us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would open your Bible. I know where I'm starting. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs 23. In 2005, I was just kind of treading water. Can't swim. Can't really tread water. But anyway, I was just trying to keep my head afloat. And I ran across this verse. I was 92. I started reading Psalms and Proverbs every month. You can read one proverb every month. I mean, every day, like today is the 31st, so you'd read Proverbs 31. Tomorrow's the first, so you read Proverbs 1. Read five Psalms a day. There are 150 Psalms. Five times 30 is... 150, you get through Psalms every day, every every month. And I urge you to do it. Let God speak. He revolutionized my life with a strange verse. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says, 
be diligent to know the state of your flocks and tend to your herds. And what God dealt with me was that where our church building sits and where my house sits, those are two neighborhoods I have. They're my neighborhoods, not because I belong, not because I own them, not because I'm head over them, but I'm part of them. You've got a family that's your family. You may not be the head of it, but it's your family. And God's calling us to know the condition, know the state of our flocks, and then tend to them. And so he dealt with me about prayer walking the area around my church building. My, my church building is right across the entrance from First Cahaba Bank. And so for 10 years, five times a week, I prayer walk from Highland Avenue between Citizens Parkway and Franklin, all those streets and back through Addison Way. It used to be Cloverdale. And I'll never forget the first day I did it. The street right behind Highland Avenue is Doherty Avenue. And so I thought, well, that's, that's the first one. So I, I walked from my church, walked down that street. And I mean, the alcohol was flowing, the drugs were flowing, the boom boxes were booming. And I don't even know how they heard from one to the other. It was just, it was just so much noise. And I walked through and I thought like I was walking through a gauntlet. Got to the other end finally, my heart pounding in my chest, scared to death. Oh, whew, I made it. And God spoke and said, go back. Go back. Go back. Plow deeper. So I went back and started talking to people. Started greeting people. One of them that he was so out of it, I don't know how he remembered, but he said, I'm going to be at church tomorrow morning. And he was. He was. I baptized him about three years later. And God changed me. He changed me. He changed me. And saints, God is wanting me and you to just be his vessels to flow through wherever we are. He says in 2 Corinthians that he's put within us the word of reconciliation. He says that there is a word of reconciliation inside us. It may not make much sense to you but it will be to the one that you spoke it to. And he's wanting us to just release his words. Release his words. Scripture, words he gives you. Release his words into your flocks and your herds. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Our God's an awesome God. I hate to do this, but I've got to keep up with the time. <laughs> God, where do I go from here? When we are tending to our herds, to our flocks, we need to have something to give to them, don't we? We need, to, we need to have the words of life. We need to have whatever God is wanting to pour into our flocks and herds wherever we go. So we need to be taking his word in, and we need to be doing what his word says. And there's a, a set of words that have become huge to me in this last year. They already were becoming that way, but this last year, 2020, has magnified them in my life. You can probably quote with me 2 Chronicles 7, 14, but do you know what Chronicles 7, 13 says? 
This may go against your theology, but you know what? I don't mind going against anyone's theology if it's the Word. I don't mind going against my theology if it's the Word. The last words in 1 Chronicles 7, 13 say this, and he's talking about, he says, when I do certain things. And he says, when I bring a plague upon my people. Now let me tell you, that went against my theology of years ago. God doesn't do that. Well, God says, when I bring a plague upon my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Let me tell you, I want America healed of COVID. I'm tired of a mask. I want to see people's mouths. I didn't realize how important mouths were in communication. I'm not talking about talking, just a, a smile or, or the, the, the reflection of their personality through their mouths. And we've lost that with these masks. We've lost a lot with masks. And, and I hope we've lost a lot of COVID with masks. And I believe that. By the way, I've had it with pneumonia. It's not good at 71. But let me tell you, God is a big God. And he said, what did he say? I will do what to their land? I will heal their land. I believe he's talking about spiritually, but I believe it means COVID too. And one thing bothers me. I don't necessarily want a healing from COVID that leaves us like we were, like we used to be. Let's, if this is a plague from God, and he says, when I bring a plague upon my people, if my people will do these things, I will hear and I will heal. And God's wanting to heal this land. So I want to become everything God wants me to become. Do I need to do that? All right. I wish I had four hours to go through those four things, but I don't. I want to just touch briefly on one of them. Seek. 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 Seek my what? Face. That's different from seeking his hand. Now, he wants us seeking his hand. He's wanting us seeking what he can do for us. He tells us to. He says in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. He's telling us, tell me what you need. Tell me what you're wanting me to do. Tell me. And then with thanksgiving, make those supplications. And he said, the peace of God passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's wanting us seeking his hand. But there in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, I want you to seek my face. My face. What does it mean to seek his face? You want him. You want him. You want him more than you want any other thing. And saints, God is calling me and you to seek him. Before COVID, I preached in prisons. Now we do have some opportunities, what they call outside the fence. And by the way, do you know what? God uses everything. When we have services outside the fence, nobody has to go through the doors and be padded down. You don't have to have a background check or anything. You can come outside the fence and you can preach. 
and inmates will come, inmates will come who would never set foot inside the chapel. God's at work behind bars. He's at work behind bars. You can't, you can't block God out. You can't chain him up. We've got a big God. He's going to get out. And he's wanting to get out through me and you. And he's wanting to crack our shells and, and be released into our world. And he says, I want you to seek me. I want you to seek me. Seek me. Hosea 10, 12. I've got four verses that are huge for me right now. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Hosea 10, 12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is unplowed, uncared for, untended for ground. It's ground that's just lying there. And what grows on it is just whatever birds flying over drop on it. Whatever the enemy wants to sow on it. How many of you got some fallow ground? Ground that is your ground. It's in your world. And God is wanting you plowing. He's wanting you sowing his word in that ground. He's wanting us tending those fields. Our families, our loved ones, our neighbors, our extended families, our congregations, our cities. He's wanting us tending to that, breaking up that fallow ground. And this is the part I love. He says, for it is time. If it is time, what's he talking about? Right now. It is time to seek the Lord. How long? Till he comes and rains righteousness down on you. I, I yearn for that. How many of you know that we've had evil raining down on us for decades? You got it? We've had evil. Sometimes you need to look at the negative to understand the positive. We've had evil raining down, raining down for decades, little bits and little bits and then stronger and then stronger and then stronger and stronger. And let me tell you, two Sundays ago I had a, we, 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 our church meeting is by phone conference call and so we have people all over everywhere and we had a lady from Sacramento that I know and she was on the conference call. She's a social worker there. And I, I, she had shared this with me earlier, and I, I, had, I asked her, would she just share some of what she was seeing with us? Let me tell you, what she shared is here. It's just not as visible, not as visible yet. She said, I'm a social worker, and part of my job is placing foster children into foster homes. And she, she had called me to ask for my advice about something. I gave her something that went against my advice. <laughs> have you ever done that? Bob, have you ever done that? It went, against, it, it went against my grain. She said, Daniel, I'm having to place foster children in homosexual homes, in transvestite, all, all kinds of homes. I'm, I'm being forced to do this. Should I quit my job? Sometimes I get questions I don't want to answer. And I told her, I said, well, if you quit your job, one of two people is going to take your job, either another believer or an unbeliever. Who do we want touching these children and 
and taking an opportunity to pray for them and speak whatever can be spoken into them, a Christian or a non-Christian. And I said, my advice to you, and I hate this advice, but I, I agree with it. You keep your job. You do it. Well, now it's gone a step farther. Now she's been taken from that job and has the job of certifying homes and saying if they're acceptable or not. And she can't do it on terms of where they are in their sexuality or anything else that's meaningful. I don't I, Bob, do you know the answers? <laughs> I know Daniel served under pagan kings, and he served for their benefit. They were blessed by the way he served them. Pagan, ungodly kings. And you know what? The highest praises you'll find in the Bible came out of the mouths of those ungodly pagan kings who even set themselves up as God. And as they met Daniel and his three friends and the problems that came about, they bowed their knee to their God. Don't know how, why I went that direction. But anyway, God's wanting us, seeking Him. Seeking Him how long? Till He comes and rains righteousness down on us. Well, in my mind, I've, I've got this picture of a huge container, huge container in the sky that is just loaded with God's righteousness. Just waiting, just waiting to fall. Waiting to fall. And I brought that up about prison a while ago. My, 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 you'll have to excuse my brain. It, it never worked real well, and, and, and I've, <laughs> I've got problems now. But anyway, the reason I brought up the prisons was because in prison, they understand the word seek. I've preached this in prisons about the word seek. Do you know what seek really means? What does what seek mean? To look for it. To search out. Well, y'all don't get it. I don't get it yet. This is what prison, this is what it means in, inside prison. I tell them if if y'all are all inmates and you're in prison and I'm I'm coming in and I'm I'm preaching to you, I tell them, somewhere in this room, I've hidden a ten dollar bill. The first one that finds it gets it. There's gonna be a little bit of movement. If I tell them there's a hundred dollar bill, there's gonna be a lot more movement. But there's one piece of paper that I can tell them if it's true that's in that room. And I would not make the announcement until I was at the exit. I wouldn't make the announcement standing at the front. And that would be that somewhere in this room, there's a piece of paper. It is all filled out except a name needs to be written on it. And the name that's written on it belongs to the one, that paper belongs to someone who finds it, and it says, signed by the governor, a full pardon immediately. Now, let me tell you, there's a three-letter word inmates all want more than they want anything else. What's that word? Out. Out. I want out of here. And let me tell you, if I were to make that announcement and they believe me, they would rip the carpet up if it took it. You, 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 it wouldn't be just a little bit of movement. There'd be movement all over everywhere to be the one to get that piece of paper and put your name on it and walk out with me. 
God's wanting us to have a desperation. Let me tell you, I'm tired of evil raining down on us. I want God's righteousness raining down on us. Do you want it? Well, the question is, how much? <laughs> how desperate are we? How desperate are we? What's the one thing we've got to do to do it? It is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness down on you. I don't even understand the fullness of this word now. I don't understand it. And, and, and the more I understand, the more I realize it, it's way beyond my understanding. Let me tell you, I don't like being single. I lost my wife four and a half years ago. I do not like being single. I want to be married. But I've got something that I wouldn't have if I was being married. I've got time, and it doesn't matter what noises are made in my house. And I can walk my house, and I can scream, I can holler, and I can walk the floors and cry out for God in ways that I never could if somebody else lived in the house. And I, I've, got a, I've got an advantage there. I still want to be married. But God, God's got me in a time. And saints, wherever you are, use it to the max. Let's be seeking God with all of our heart. We, we need to learn what it is to cry out. And that word in Hebrew literally means to shriek. And we're in such a, a time of, of so much pain, so much bondage, so much evil, so much ugliness in our nation. And God is wanting to make us come alive, to come alive for the first time again, to, to let his light break through the dark, to let, let hope dawn in our lives and in lives around us. My next passage is John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus said he stood on the great feast, the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone, what? Thirst. If anyone is thirsty. What, what do thirsty people do? If, if you're really thirsty, if you haven't had anything to drink in four days and you're really thirsty, what will you do? What, what, what is every fiber of your being doing? It's looking for water, right? It's searching for water. And he says, if anyone thirsts, and he says, anyone, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be anything but just one. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. As scripture has said, he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit whom those who believe in him would receive. God is wanting us to be so seeking him, so thirsty for him, and our world needs him desperately. So thirsty for him that whatever it takes, we're spending the time, we're taking the time, we're making the time before him in quiet and out loud, in our homes, in our closets, wherever you have to go to get by yourself. 
and just crying out to him, Oh, God, I need you. God, my world needs you. My world has got to have you. I need you flowing through me more than you've ever flowed through me before. I need your power. I need your life. My world needs your power. My world needs your life. God, I need you. God, I need you. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Well, first, yeah, okay, John 16, let's do that. Bob, y'all have got a time problem here. I, I, when I stand up here, my it just, it just rolls. My goodness. John 16. Let's start with verse 5. He says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things in, to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now let's, let's, let's pretend for a minute that the person beside you is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. And that wherever you go, they go. And what is it that you face that he can't fix? Nothing, right? How many of you would like to have that? Jesus in the flesh walking right beside you. Well, he's talking to people that he's walked right beside for three years. And they like that. And he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Huh? <laughs> you got to be kidding. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, how is that to their advantage? Here's how it's their advantage. Let's say Bob is one of the 12 apostles. Does this make any sense? And <laughs> let's say, say Bob is one of the 12 apostles. And Jesus, there, there's Jesus sitting right beside him. And Jesus has been walking with him, handling all his problems, doing whatever was needed. And Jesus says, it's better if I go away. Because if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Look at the next verse. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Jesus can't be in the flesh everywhere. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can be in flesh everywhere if he's alive in us if he's alive in us. And what is the first thing that's mentioned here that the Holy Spirit does? When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and so on. Out on the streets with the cross, I yearn, I yearn for this. I yearn for the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And one day, one day, I have seen what I wanted to see happen. The, 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 the trickle, some drips of the Holy Spirit doing this. Greg and Inge were with me. Where, where are Greg and Inge? They were here. Okay, Greg and Inge were with me. In fact, I was, just, I was on the corner of Marie Foster and First Avenue. I just parked my car on a, 
empty lot there, and I was getting the cross out of the back of the car and putting it together. And all of a sudden, I, I, I was scheduled to walk down Marie Foster, but all of a sudden down First Avenue, there was a loud commotion going on and getting louder and louder, a fight breaking out. And I told Greg and Iggy, I got the cross put together. I told them, y'all stay here and pray. They were glad to stay there and pray. I said, I'm going to go down there. You be praying. I, I was glad for them to be there praying. And as I did that, a man walked this way that was also going to be meeting us. And a pastor walked out of the store across the, the street as I was going. And the three of us just converged and went. That was God, y'all. That was a lot of God. And, I mean, the crowds were building, and two, two men were just at each other full of hate and profanity and filth and ugliness of all kinds. And I wanted to get my cross in between the two of them, but I, it, it, there wasn't any room. I couldn't do it. And we tried to talk to them, and there was so much noise, we just couldn't be heard. And so we tried to get louder, and, and they couldn't hear. And finally, one of them started listening and got quiet and backed off and left. And y'all, you don't do that because cause you're, you're, not, you're not being a man to do that. And the other one, he's still angry and still shouting and still all this other stuff, and we tried to talk to him, and, and finally he slowed down a little bit. And he'd rear up again and take off again about how he wasn't going to be dissed and all this kind of stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, he fell to the sidewalk on his knees and cried out, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. I need help. Jesus, save me, save me. Whoa, what's this? What's this? I'll tell you what it is. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. How many of you like me have tried to convict the world of its sin? Have you tried? It ain't real easy, is it? <laughs> Let me tell you how it's done. The Holy Spirit may use your words, but that's, it's Him doing it. It's Him doing it. And if He's not doing it, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not working. Do we need the Holy Spirit? And we don't need just Jesus beside us, and I want Jesus' presence with me everywhere I go with the Holy Spirit, but we need Him doing the convicting work. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And so, if, if I need the Holy Spirit, I need to be seeking for the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life, right? I, I need Him. And as I'm seeking God, does that include Him? Yes. Yes. And God's wanting us crying out for Him, seeking Him with everything in us. Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter is preaching here, and I'm just going to break into the verse, verse 38. He's talking about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing what? Good and healing all all who were what? Oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now he went in the power of, look at it again, Jesus, 
Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Do you get this? What is the power that Peter was moving through or that was moving through Peter? The power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that moved through Jesus. Jesus, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him like a dove. Are you and I in our bullheadedness and power and strength and shoving and pushing and talking and talking and talking, are we going to change lives? Or is it going to take the Holy Spirit? It's going to take the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the Holy Spirit. And so God is crying out for us to have an intensity about us, an intensity of seeking Him, of thirsting for Him, of wanting Him, of desiring Him. I like Hebrews 11.6 that says, For it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of who? Those who diligently, diligently seek Him. Inmates told that there's a $5 bill Somewhere in there, they'll sort of seek, but not diligently. A full pardon, they will diligently seek. Let me tell you, should we be diligently seeking when God tells us what He's wanting to do in us and in our world? He is. There's another half to what I've been sharing with you. We need to have an intensity in our lives and on purpose seeking Him with everything in our being. And at the same time, you know, this, this human body is frail, isn't it? And it can only take so much of some things. And it can, it can only take an intensity for just a, a short amount of time. And then it needs something else. And we need to combine these two and walk in these two things. We need to be seeking Him with an intensity, with a depth that we've never known before. And I'm talking about we, meaning me included in it. I am nowhere where I need to be in this. I, I see so much farther out than I am. It's like I'm just not getting it yet. And if you get the message but don't do anything, you haven't gotten it either. We're so content. We're so content to be going like we're going. But let me ask you, in reality, how much different are you right now than you were last year, than you were last month, than you were last week in your walk with Jesus? If there's not a daily growth, and it may be just a tiny growth, but what do those tiny growths mount up to? A big growth down the road. And God's wanting you and me changing. I don't know why this is, but in the church, we think that when we reach a certain point, we've plateaued. You don't plateau. You don't reach your peak because there's always higher. There's always more. And God's wanting us growing. 
in him. The last words of Peter in the Bible. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's wanting us growing. He's wanting us growing. But he's wanting us to be seeking him with everything within us. But there's a flip side. He's wanting us to be quiet. I love Isaiah 30, 15. Israel has got an army coming against them. It's larger than they are. We don't know what the army is. We don't know what the nation coming against them is. But they've done the math and they know they're larger than we are. We can't handle them. So they want to go to Egypt and buy horses and men and chariots to help them defeat this army. God doesn't like that. What does he want them doing? You've got me. You've got me. What's wrong with me? I'm more than that army. And so he told Isaiah to tell them, don't go to Egypt. Four things. In returning, returning to God, and rest, resting in Him, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. God's wanting us with an intensity that we've never had before to be seeking Him. But at the same time, He's wanting us to be still and know that He is God. And He's wanting us to be just returning to Him, resting in Him, being quiet before Him, and being confident in Him, and letting Him be storing up within us a wealth of His power and His life and His love that He can flush out of us at any point into our world and through that change our world. Our world must be changed. Our world must be changed. And let me tell you this in closing. I hate elections. I hate elections with a passion because we divide in our election processes. And, and I hate them with a passion. And what I don't understand is, I, I'll never forget, before President Obama was elected in 2008, we had a citywide unity meeting at Cross Point. F.L. Williams was the speaker, and he said something that night I'll never forget. He said, it's strange to me. He said, I don't understand this. He said, the only group of people in the nation that can change this nation are all looking to Washington, D.C. to change the nation. Let me tell you, who sits in the president's chair does not change the nation and turn it back to God. The church, the church is God's vehicle for changing the nation. And if your hope, no matter which side you're on, is that if our man gets elected, we're okay, you don't have any hope. And by the way, we, we mainly want ours to get elected so we can go back to sleep again. And God's calling us to come alive. He's calling us to come alive. Let me tell you, I have great hope. Great hope. I'm, I'm brimming over with hope for this nation. Not because what's in Washington. I wasn't hopeful because of four years ago either. That's not our answer. Our answer is Him. He's the one that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and many other things. And if, if you have less hope now than you had before, your hope wasn't in God before. 
and is not now. And you need to change where your hope is. Let me just pray this prayer for you. It's scripture. This is just Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, send the Holy Spirit. Cause us to seek you, to thirst for you, to yearn for you, to abide in you, which causes us to bring forth much fruit, he said, over and over eight times in that chapter in John 15. Help us to do this so powerfully that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, flow through us in amazing ways. Bless Blue Jean Church. Bless the church of Selma. There's only one church in Selma. It has many congregations, but there's just one church, only one church in Selma. Only one church. God bless the church of Selma with life, with coming alive in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And y'all, I thought I was quitting, but I've got to read this from this book. It's called Critical Mass by Mario Murillo. It was written in 1982. And he talks about critical mass in, in physics with neutrons and all. You can come to a place, and I don't understand all this, can't even describe it. You come to a place that is called critical mass. And at that point, it's at the point of everything breaking loose. And you have an explosion of whatever. And I believe God is wanting us to seek Him and seek Him and seek Him till it comes to a place of critical mass and whoo, there He is. Let me read you two stories He shares here. He says, Once Charles Finney traveled through a small village, its sin and darkness gripped him. Off he went to a private part of the woods to war in prayer against whoever Satan had delegated to this village. Nearly a day went by. Based on what I read of Finney, I can imagine that the prayer session was violent. After he praised God and trounced demons, he arose and walked over to a textile factory on the edge of the village. All he did was look at the factory workers and they began to sob for forgiveness from God. Soon an entire village was swept up and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If we will humble ourselves and pray, he's not talking about now lay me down to sleep. He's talking about a prayer that's beyond anything I or you have ever experienced before. And then Mario Murillo says this, I am certain that our bitterest regret will come when we are in heaven and we see for the first time the real power and privilege of prayer. Our spirits will cry out saying, if I had only known how I would have prayed. And then let me share this one that was even more powerful to me. David Brainerd. David Brainerd was Jonathan Edwards who was the PowerPoint for the Great Awakening of 1730-something. Uh, this was his son-in-law. 
David Brainerd found a place to pray that few of us would choose. Under a bush, in two feet of snow, during sub-zero temperatures. And he has tuberculosis. It's not a good thing, is it? Well, read on. He was not a masochist. He was a man obsessed with the plight of the Appalachian Indians. Obsessed with the plight. We need to become obsessed with the plight of the lostness and the brokenness and the pain and the destruction around us. They were wretchedly poor, spiritually destitute tribes stripped of their homeland. They barely survived these winters in their makeshift dwellings. God made them the focus of David Brainerd's compassion. And there under that bush, he poured himself out on their behalf. Cold, exhausted, and ill, Brainerd began to cough up blood. Then he reached that crucial point where self is overcome and critical mass is achieved. Brainerd was startled by new strength. Suddenly he felt a vast victory had been won. Instinctively he rose and ran to the village where he beheld one of the most marvelous sights in recorded history. The Indians were standing outside their dwellings, sobbing, unaware of the cause for their tears. As Brainerd approached them, an astonishing thing happened. A hot wind blew through and knocked several to the ground. Anyone who came near to the preacher instantly fell to the ground. Imagine the joy. Imagine the glory. The Indians embraced this man as an angel from God, and they made Jesus their master. There's a price to pay. I've heard the word surrender one time this morning. I think it was in one of the songs. God's wanting us to come to a place of surrendering. Will you give this life to God? Will you give it to Him and let Him take charge of what happens in your days, in your minutes, starting today? Starting today. Let's let Him have all. Let Him have all. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.